Yes, folks, it's Thursday, 2 p.m. Pacific. <laughs> Dear God, I'm amazed we actually made it here, which, since I'm Fred McMurray, this must be... All right, at least we got through the music, didn't we? <laughs> oh, if I had gone out last night, I would blame it on the green beer. But for now, I have to blame it on the very deep nose swab I had a few hours ago. So tell us about your deep nose swab. <laughs> I don't know. I think that lady put, put it right up into my brain. <laughs> and, and moved it around or just... Uh... Yeah, she's like... She like wiggles all around and things aren't right where they're supposed to be. I'm pretty sure. Scrambled, scrambled eggs. As you said, Fred, you're amazed we got into Thursday. I'll be surprised if we get out of it. Amen. It's just been like whack jobby today. Last couple of days. Uh, oh I'm, my God. I'm not sure what's going on. Um, they, have, I don't know. they have an acronym for that in the military, you know. Yeah. It's no, it's snafu, <laughs> if I remember no, correction. <laughs> um, situation normal, all fouled up, and then there's its its farther friend, Fubar. Things are really, or, sorry, yeah. There's, if I remember right, there's snafu, tarfu, mm-hmm. and then the other Fubar. So it's situation right. normal, all fouled up. Things are really fouled up, and fracked up beyond all recognition, if I remember all three of them. Yeah. I'm pretty sure we're at the extreme measure right about now. Yeah, yeah. I uh, just yeah. learned a whole lot of acronym information. I'm really happy. <laughs> I wish I could have written that all down. I was just going to say, did you write it down? <laughs> no, but that was fantastic. I'm good you know, to say now. I'm, that's enough. I'm good. <laughs> I think I have you covered. <laughs> Holy moly. Woo, so today, Fred, yes. where are we going to start today, Fred? <laughs> I, I don't know. It appears Zoom has been killing off uh, a couple of our guests, um, had issues with the podcasting software, and it's one of those things of, I really hate this. Oh, I don't even have a hat, so people are going blind from my bald head. Yeah. Um, <sighs> sorry. <laughs> sorry about that, folks. Sorry about that. Um <laughs> Where do you want to start, Kristen? Well, we could start with the weather. I'll protect my eyes. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I was, I was a little late for that one. Uh, yeah. I can start with my weather. We should actually just do the weather, and then we can go into the mentor stuff, since four of us today, We're, thanks yeah, to I, Zoom. I got all four of us on. Um, might yeah. as well. Eventually, I don't have it for today because I've been working on the um, broadcast to Instagram formatting issues. But soon enough, um, we'll be able to do the background with the nice weather map. So you, um, mm. I figure we'll have you standing instead of sitting and you can do the weather and then we'll bring everyone else in. I'm going to be the weather girl. <laughs> oh, I don't want to see Ray being a weather girl. Well, I have to, I have to tell you. 
<laughs> like that I can sounds- point, okay. I can point, but I, I full disclaimer, I'm really bad at geography. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, I get the coast. That part's good. My brother lives in Arkansas. Don't ask me to point to it on a map. Oh, no. <laughs> okay, so what I can figure is, if I remember right, David's still in Florida, so he's around along a coast. And anybody yeah. watching the background can see that I'm on a coast, and you're right. on the but I grew coast. up in Michigan, so I got this. I got this good, and yeah. so then we must be over here, right, Ray? Are we over here? <laughs> <laughs> I think I got uh, it. Uh, wait, yeah, somewhere over here. <laughs> well, no, very frankly, I think it's good. Well, so I will tell you here: the sun has finally come out, and I'm pretty sure it's the first time in like four or five days. And we got into Ray's lousy weather. We had snow a couple of days ago. It got super cold. I had to pull out the winter coat again. Um, it sucks. And we're going into spring break as of Friday afternoon, tomorrow afternoon. So uh, that's all I have. Ray will put a beautiful twist on it, I'm sure. Um, Ray's crazy. So, you know. Yeah. I'd rather be where David's at, for sure. Much nicer down there. You can't appreciate this beautiful sunshine and, and absolutely hot weather we're having right now right. if it doesn't get cold and snowy and miserable. I can't thaw out yet. It's The sun's only been shining for like 20 minutes. Half of the sky is still dark. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm... I'm good. I'm in the 70s. It's sunny. Um, first thing we could say is that it was really windy today because it's remnants from a storm that passed through uh, middle of the night last night. But um, yeah, pretty nice. Pretty good. We'll be down here for a couple more weeks. Awesome. Oh, Brad, I suppose we have to hear about life in your left coast world. Why? That's true. We already know what it's like. Move along. Okay, does, does it really change much ever? <laughs> Not really. Yes, I mean, clock we in get... the morning, by one it burns off, by four it rolls back in. The end. So <laughs> today, today when I left the house, it was 53 out. Yesterday when I left the house, it was 35 out. And, oh. you know... And there's still some idiot walking around when it's 35 out with in shorts and a tank top. <laughs> wow. But at least those idiots aren't like they do in Chicago when there's three feet of snow and they're still walking around. Although Southern California <laughs> did get snow, which I know Ray was chortling about. <laughs> well, you know, if you walk around in shorts and three feet of snow, you don't have to worry about your pants getting wet. Yeah, just oh, frostbite. <laughs> There's a bright side to everything. <laughs> yeah, you don't have to worry about your brain cells either because you probably don't have very many up there. <laughs> True that. Hey, I was, you're the one who had your brain poked today. So. <laughs> yeah, I think that's part of why I'm having a giggle fest today. Yeah. I don't know. Well, let's get on with our mentorship update right. today. So I do have some recordings we're going to do with Mario um, after the show today. We are going to try to get those done this morning, and uh, he's got some conflicts. So we're going to talk about some more decisions he's got coming up about those forks in the road that we talked about. But one of the things that we have been discussing is how, when you buy a business, do you 
start staffing an office? How do you start to build a team that will be a high-performing team right when you get started? And a lot of times that's really difficult because you have to define, first of all, what does that team need to do, right? So in David's case, it was a restaurant business. and Ray and I's case, ours is more of a um, customer service and, and personal services type of thing. So each team has to do some very similar jobs and some very different jobs. And, you know, Ray's personality and skill set is different than what I bring to the table, which is different than what David brings to the table. So each of us have had to look at what we're good at and what are the candidates who are applying for our partners, our office managers, our trainers and things of that nature, what do they bring to the table? So some of the things that um, we suggest people look at is first to define what are the roles and responsibilities of all the people or all the roles within your office, right? And when you do that, it's always a good idea to sit down and make the list and then define who's going to be responsible for what role. So Ray, in your situation, let's say there's 20 jobs, right? What are some of the things that you decided were not going to be your responsibility? Oh, yeah. Uh, dispatching. Okay. <laughs> I so hate it. Hate yeah. It. Because there's so many things that need to be considered. You know, mm-hmm. of course, the client, first of all, you know, what, uh, what day, what time, okay, and then mm-hmm. what team, and then you've got to figure out, okay, you don't want the team running from one end of your territory to the other and then back again and, you know, and wasting a lot of gas. So now you got to figure out, get all those clients with all those priorities all lined up and it's a nightmare, but right. my team, they, they collaborate on it. it. It's interesting to watch them in the morning. It's, it, it's, it's at least two, sometimes three. They'll say, Mrs. Jones wants her, you know, and they're yelling back and forth and say, okay, uh-huh. we'll put her over there, you know, you know, yeah. and they do a great job. It's 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 the job that I really really hated doing. <laughs> right, and so when Ray talks about dispatching, for those of you that are not um, in that particular industry that we're in, it, it is complicated. When he says two or three people are doing it, it's from knowing who the customers are, what their preferences are, knowing your geographic territory, and understanding who the clients are, what the clients' needs are, who they prefer as a team, and then really taking all those inputs and laying laying it out logistically and being able to map it so that you have efficiencies within your routes throughout the day and you're not wasting gas going, you know, 25 miles out of your way. Instead, being able to map them where you're going two and a half miles, two and a half miles, five miles, and then back to the office. So, so and in my case, I hate the detailed stuff. Right. So like one of the things I hated to do was all the paperwork. Right. So very similar to you. I'm the idea person. Right. I want to go out and I want to talk to people. I don't want to be sitting at my desk taking phone calls all day. That's not me. David, what are some of the jobs that that you insisted on keeping in your business? Yeah, I I don't I, I mean, to try to keep this on a broad scale, I don't know if I would you know, get into any specifics like that. I think the, the, the concept is, or should be, um, looking for complementary pieces that, that work well together. So depending on what the franchisee is going to do, is if they're going to, to run it themselves, let's say should right at the beginning, or run, it, run, it, run um, their business themselves, 
whether they have managers or, or staff beyond that, it really comes down to this in, in my mind. It's, it's what are the duties and the tasks that you and only you are capable of doing at right. a high level. Because one of the things, and then, and then if somebody else is capable of doing something at maybe 80% as well as you can, then mm-hmm. delegate that. But if somebody else cannot do some of the tasks or shouldn't do some of the tasks that, that only you can do, those, those can't be delegated. So whether it's right. building, whatever it might be. But if somebody can do some at 80% as well, delegate that. Now, here's the next piece that which I know so many business owners miss. So many. I, I would... I don't want to put a percentage on it. I'll just use the word most. Right. And it's real simple. They want to do it all. They, they want to be the jack of all trades and do it all. And what they're forgetting is their own value, their own work. So if you were to take what you're paying yourself or what you expect to pay yourself, or whatever it is in the business, and put an hourly wage, set. this is a great rule of yeah. thumb. If there's a task that can be done and, it, and you wouldn't, and it's beneath, it can be done by somebody who's making a lot less than you're making, mm-hmm. less than the manager's making. That should be delegated because otherwise you're spending resources on a task that can be done by somebody who's making a lot less than, which allows you to focus on building your business. And I, I will say that's one of the biggest missteps of most franchise or most business owners, especially in the beginning. Yep. They don't understand their value, their time worth, and they're doing tasks. Say if they did their calculations, they're worth $100 an hour, mm-hmm. they're doing tasks, stocking shelves, say, that can be right. done by somebody making $10 an hour. Yeah, I and totally agree with that. And then at the end of the day, end of the week, end of the month, they go, I was so busy. You were busy doing tasks and jobs right. that you shouldn't have been doing. And, Ray, so, that brings us back to what do you say, right? Do you want to work <laughs> on, on business? shelves and you get a really kick, big kick out of it, then that's what you should be doing after everything else is done. Yeah. Right. right. I was going to say, right, after, after, after. Yeah. And there is a point, I mean, and I will say, and, and some businesses may be slightly different. You know, for me, my mission was to go out in my first, you know, 50 or 75 customers. I wanted to know who those people were because I wanted to have a common bond and I wanted them to know that if there was a problem, you call me because I'm going to fix it. I'm not the one who's going to be cleaning, but I'm going to be the one to make sure that that team knows how to make it right. And so I did spend a lot of time my first year making sure that I personally taught the girls what to do. I personally told them what could be used on what. And so in some instances, you have to do a little more hands-on than you want to. But again, we go back to that beginning with the end in mind, right? If you know that within five years, your goal is to work your way where you're working on the business and not in the business, mm-hmm. then you make decisions to help you get there. But you have to start with that. Yeah, but Chris, and I, I, would, I would argue that what you did for those first 50 to 75 customers, clients was extremely necessary for your business. I would sure. say- that was actually in time well-placed because it was setting the foundation of how you wanted to run the business and how you're going to train everyone on how to run, how you wanted it run. So, yeah. again, you know, again, it goes back to what is the one, what's the things that only you should be doing and delegate all mm-hmm. the rest within reason. And 
you know, because we all know it. Eventually, you're going to be meeting with <laughs> meeting with accountants, doing things with lawyers, oh, yeah. running advertising campaigns, doing all those types of things. You can't be bothered with something else because it's keeping you from the most important um, parts of if you're your most important impact. You know? Right. And I'll tell you what's interesting is, you know, as your business grows and as you change office people, there are times like I'm at a point right now as we come out of COVID, it's had such a drastic impact on my business. I'm getting this urge like I need to step back in for maybe a few weeks and kind of pull everybody back together and just refocus. I feel like we need a big kind of punch in the arm of morale, of camaraderie, of culture again, because I think we had a really strong culture. And, you know, my girls have been with me for a really long time. We've had very little turnover, which makes me very proud. But there's just something in the air. You know, sometimes you just feel it in the air. And I think it's important for people to always keep your finger on the pulse. And when you start to feel that, it's time to get back in it for a little while. And then you can pull back out. I know exactly that, the way you feel. I feel the same way for some reason. Uh, and I try to keep uh, my finger on the pulse. But, you know, <laughs> there's something, you know, you, I don't know what it is. But let, let's go back. There's another thing that we need to uh, talk about as far as employees, and, and, and that's delegating authority. Yeah. Because uh, I, I notice going to conventions that, you know, some, especially new owners, they're constantly on the phone. Yeah, yeah, you can give Mrs. Smith, you know, $10 off. You can give Mrs. Smith a free clean or you can delegate that. Give them the authority to, you know, give something away and anything beyond that, call you. Because you they'll drive you nuts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Your team will drive you nuts, you know, calling you. Now, I need to give her $5. Is that okay? Of course. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, David, you guys probably had your employees empowered, right? I mean, that's what I always tell my girls. Listen, I'm just empowering you to make decisions. I trust that you're going to do the right thing. And until you do the wrong thing, I believe you. I mean, and and quite frankly, there might be a decision you make, and I'm going to say, well, I might not have made that same decision, but Mm -hmm. I trust the decision you made for the decisions you did. Next time that happens, here's probably what I would do. And leave it there. I mean, I don't want to ever, unless they do something completely outlandish, but, you know, I want to seek to understand why they made the call they did, not punish them for making a call, right? Yeah, Yeah, I mean, two things. To address what you were speaking about previously, um, what you were describing was fighting complacency, fighting complacency. And that happens as your staff matures. They kind of get set in their ways, and they figure, you know, they they don't see it. Like, we're, we're human beings. Right? Yep. And we don't see it right away, so we need someone to point out. So always always be on guard. It's like the old saying is once things are going real good, that's when you need to kick it up a notch because cause something else is going to call those yeah. people. Yeah. As far as the delegation, Ray hit it right on the head, and, and the empowerment is what you spoke about. You know, it, it, it's early on, I remember we were arguing. Our, our people were arguing with our guests if they didn't like a hamburger. Right, and and the pride would kick in. The cook's pride would be, I made that exactly the way it's supposed to be made. Okay, she he or she doesn't like it, just make Mm -hmm. it again. And then you have the fit in the kitchen, and people are throwing stuff in this. And then you'd have the manager who's afraid of 
running his costs up too high, and now they're arguing and they're afraid to replace the burger because, oh, it's going to make my numbers look bad. After a little while that, I went, what are we doing, guys? It's a hamburger. It's wings. It's a drink. It's whatever it is. We just kind of said, you guys have carte blanche to fix the problems, to make your life easier, do what you need to do, and take care Mm -hmm. of the guests. That's right. how we ran it, and we've been running. We ran that for years and years and years and years. Then, you know, we, you know, we'd have somewhere a little bit overzealous because maybe they were new and and they didn't know, so they just gave away the farms. <laughs> <laughs> and then we just go, hey, you know what? Just because they didn't like a couple of those wings, they didn't need a hundred dollar gift certificate to make right. up. <laughs> but 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 if they brought them back. This is what I trained them on. This is what we talked about, is what's the lifetime value of a customer? What's the lifetime value of a guest? That particular visit was never the most important number. Someone, I don't care if if you refunded a $20 meal at that particular day. If that was somebody that came in once a week, right, times 52 weeks or say 50 weeks, you know, how much is that customer worth as opposed to, Hey, we screwed up. Let's fix it. Let the let the ego wash to the side. Take care of the guests. Yep. And that's why we exist. And I think every business, every business, whether the customer guest or whatever on call, that's why we exist. So if we're not taking care of that that customer, that guest, somebody else is going to. So if your staff isn't empowered to be kind of wearing your face or acting in the way you would want to, to, to raise point earlier. Then you've got to disconnect. Then they're calling you, and this and and they should be a carbon copy of how you would handle it yourself. And yeah. if you get to that point, your life becomes a lot easier, and the guess every all the problems and issues just start getting solved right away. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah absolutely. One so, of the things I ask uh, my my staff when a customer quits is is how much do you think it costs us to get that customer? And I tell them it's a minimum of about $750 to get that customer. That's how much we spend mm-hmm. on each client we get to get them, yep. you know. And they go, oh, what? how much do you think we we can save? What is it worth to save that customer? You know, is it one free clean, two free yeah. cleans? You yeah, know? yeah. Yeah, it's, it's definitely worth it. You know, obviously we don't want to give away the ship, you know, and Mm -hmm. you can probably sense it if a customer is scamming you. Uh, It happens, you know, and I I would imagine especially happens in the restaurant business, but you you get that sense that, you know, uh, okay, this customer is constantly complaining about the stupidest little thing, so therefore we're losing money (laughs) and we'll just let them quit the next time they want to quit. But still, you know, What's it worth? Yeah. Sometimes you do have to fire the guest, fire the customer, but that's that's the other thing that we saw is is don't let that scammer, don't don't let them jade you, right? Don't let them give you the perception of everybody else. I mean, just take care of the guest. You're going to be fine in the long run, and we're going to be a a lot better off because of it. But it comes down to trusting your staff, but also delegating and explain to them exactly what the picture looks like. Don't yeah, just say, absolutely. hey, you have carte blanche to take care of everything. You know, explain, you know they, they should know your heart by, by the time that's happened. They should know how you want your business running. 
Yeah, absolutely. We're going to go to um, a quick commercial, but I want to thank you guys for chiming in on this discussion. I think the bottom line is for people to really make sure, find where your weaknesses are, hire to your weaknesses or to the things you don't really like to do. Make sure that you build a strong culture, strong values. Make sure that it means something to the people you hire to be a part of your team, because it is really important that they feel they have ownership and that they're valued. Make sure that they feel like they belong. And I think that's really important. They're gonna to wanna to be there for you. So go ahead, Fred, let's take it to commercial. And when we come back, we're gonna talk about does size really matter? Hey, Ray? franchise owners. How is your local marketing? Do you feel like you could use some help keeping up with your social media posts and comments and reviews? Do you wonder if you could be doing more to attract local customers? Are you able to identify new movements to your local area? At Westvine, we help franchisees like you reach more local customers through digital marketing. With daily monitoring, creative content, and ad placement, and customer data intelligence, we'll get your business in front of the people who want your products or services. We also work with franchisors who need an agency to handle the digital marketing for all of their locations. If you're ready to reach more local customers, give us a call at 805 265 5440 or visit us at westvine.com. That's 805-265-5440 or westvine with a y.com. We get that laser gun all the time. I don't know if I'm supposed to look out the window or where to look. Depends on the neighborhood you live in. <laughs> I don't know that that even matters anymore, quite frankly. Those are marshmallows on your head, right? They're peach, yeah. Peach. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, so yesterday was uh, St. Pat's, so I can't wear the rest of my, you know, lucky charms anymore. I have to switch over. And the now, River isn't green any longer. It can't be not green anymore as of today, really. As of today, it's gone. It's always yeah. green. It's just a different shade of green. <laughs> it goes from bright green to a dull yes. green. It goes from <laughs> heli green to like vomit green. So, you know. There you go. That's, that's a good way of describing it. Yeah, that's, that's the night of St. Pat's that it goes to vomit green. <laughs> it's like that all year round. <laughs> Well, sometimes it's sludge, you know, you never know. It's really yeah. sad because it's such a pretty town and it has so much to offer, but damn, sometimes it's just not in great shape. Cold? With COVID, did they even do the parades and all the hoopla this year? No. Just no. They actually water, turned the water green and said, go have at it. They actually said they weren't going to do the water green. And then they did it on the down low and then it was like, surprise, we did it. <laughs> I mean, how creative was that? Well, I can't how, say. how many rivers do you know that uh, caught fire? <laughs> <laughs> well, well over in Pennsylvania, right? In Pittsburgh, they had the, what was that? Oh, more, that was... more than you know, but just yeah. one that always people remember. Yeah. Well, you yeah. don't know, David, you're in Cleveland, right? Is it like yeah, between that's... Cleveland, Pittsburgh, and there, there was a river that caught fire? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. There's been many, but all, people only bring up one, and that happened 50 years ago, but that's all right. We'll... We'll but, wear it. We'll move on. Didn't Lake Erie catch fire too? No. Did it? No. Okay. 
Okay. Oh man. Fair enough. So, so we asked Ray if size mattered the other day. He got all blushing. He wasn't sure what I was talking about. And then we said, well, what about age? And he was like, well, yeah. But what we were really <laughs> talking about, look at the color I'm getting, like orangeish, greenish hair. I don't know what I did. <laughs> Do you see that, Fred? I don't know. I'm moving around. It's not changing. It looks like somebody vomited on my head. No, the bunnies are. are the bunny? <laughs> the bunny you're back. Hair. Oh, my God. Um, but we were really talking about territory size, right? We were talking, or not territory size, I'm sorry, about franchises, and we, of course, because that's what the show's about. Yeah. We were talking about, does it matter if you were to buy, like David did, right? He was the first franchisee in Buffalo Wild Wings. And then Ray and I, we went with Old Faithful, a business or franchise that had been around for 20-some odd years or ish. Um, and so we want to kind of talk about um, the pros and the cons of going with a brand new concept uh, versus a concept that has been around for a while. And what are some of the, the good things and the bad things about that? So, um, Ray, do you want to start us off this time? Why did you think that going with proven concept and one that was, had already been established, why did you choose that way rather than a brand new model? Well, that, that's easy. I needed to be successful quickly because I started my business at 55. And okay. I knew that I, it, it's gonna, it was going to take years just to grow. And I'm, I was looking at that from a uh, retirement standpoint, uh, which I'm obviously at now. So uh, I'm semi-retired from the business, but I still enjoy running it, which I never thought I would do. Uh, I, 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 just, I just love being in business. I, uh, you know, uh, I love talking about it. that's you know hence the show, <laughs> but uh, yes, uh, <laughs> I, I went with a, a, a proven model, a model I felt comfortable with, and I bought more than they had originally suggested, and then I added on to that twice. Mm -hmm. So the size matter in that particular instance, yes. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I think it, you're kind of not being realistic do you think whatever they say the size should be that you're going to you know um, make a certain amount of money that's unrealistic you you can uh once you've taken the low-hanging fruit from that size of business you really have to work much much harder to get any more and uh, if you've got competition in the air which uh, i think we all do oh, yeah. uh, that becomes even more difficult so yes, size matters. Okay, good. And I want to go back to that because I want to share um, what just happened to me this week about size and mattering. Uh, after I have David answer the same question, because David, I mean, were you a little nervous to leave this great paying job you had and step into a totally new model? Well, I, you know, this is, I could spend a few minutes talking about this because I've had both ends of it. So here's, Here's the deal, as we've been talking about the very first franchisee of BW3 at the time, now Buffalo Wild Wings, without hesitation did we do that. And, and, and the reason was because we believed, we believed in that concept well before we even knew what BW3 was. So all of a sudden there is this concept that is, doing, that is already doing what I had envisioned in my head. So for us to jump on that, it was easy to take that risk. Contrary to what Ray just said, though, we were younger. Yeah. No, I mean, there was no 
I mean, hey, if it didn't work out, we still, we, 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 as we said, we told everybody go get another job, right? I mean, we go get jobs. Um, so that was easy. But when you talk about from a pure standpoint of, we'll, we'll just live, let's work with age right now, okay? Mm -hmm. So that, that's going to break down a little bit differently for me because I, that while that worked out, right? We had our bumps along the way, and that, that could be a whole, you know, 10 shows worth of, of watching that thing progress from the first franchise where it is today. But I also also joined two other franchisees, franchisors along the way. One was fairly established, still young. We joined, and that ended up folding, collapsed upon itself for the most part. I think I, we talked about that with Quiznos. Right. And I, and I think I just saw a highway sign the other day going Quiznos. I went, ah, oh, I didn't know they were still around. But that's wow. what it on itself. Then there was another ground floor, brand new franchise that they recruited me to kind of help build. And, you know, as far as, you know, selling franchises, opening with all that stuff, not necessarily from the operation standpoint. And that, that never got off the ground. So it cost a lot of people a lot of money. We lost mm -hmm. a lot of money. A lot of franchisees lost a lot of money. So you had the Buffalo Wild Wings BW3 that was already operating as a corporate entity for about 10 years. They were just new to franchising. So uh, they were pretty well established. Then the, the, the one was operating about five years, and they did pretty good, Quiznos, and then it, then it, it grew too fast. There's another right. show. And then that crashed. The other one was a brand new, right from the top, running, run right from day one, and that one never made it off the ground. So if you were to ask me, what I would say when, when it comes to age, if you're, if you're not afraid to jump into an early, you know, entrepreneur situation, I still think that franchisor track record of a period of years should be extremely important. I was looking back on now, and especially in Ray's situation, and in my situation now, probably mm -hmm. just now, there's no way I would take on a brand new franchisor early on in, in their um, in their ex existence. Sure. They well, have, we know. have a long track record as a franchisor. And say, I mean, they might have 15 years operating and then go, okay, now we're finally ready to franchise. I, I, I would look at that. Right. But I would not look at one and go, hey, we franchised last year and we're looking for a franchise first franchisee. No. Right. Right. Well, and, you know, we have talked to some people like that who are getting ready to franchise and haven't really maybe even quite gotten off the ground, which is a very interesting place to be. And I talked to a gal um, two weeks ago and she said, oh, we just got our license. We're going to start franchising next week as soon as the FDD is approved. And then she called me and she said, yeah, the FDD is approved. We're going. And I thought, wow, I wonder what that's going to look like. And she told me what the business was about. And I thought, hmm, I wonder who's going to invest in that. And so it's interesting to hear people and see people who are, building their business, getting everything ready. And then it's like, they're going to the gate to franchise. And on the show, I know we have a lot of young people who um, are looking, you know, a lot of millennials are like, Hey, I'd really like to get into this thing. And so I'm not really sure how, you know, you have, have experience in three different ways, two of which didn't work out. One that did. Was there one thing that really stuck out with the two that failed that you would say, watch out for this. Yeah, I think I think the one that was just uh, said before was it didn't have a track record of success as its own company. It didn't. Um, 
they, they haven't they have proven to themselves that they can run a sustained, profitable business before mm-hmm. they went and said, oh, I'm going to sell this business model to somebody else. Right. So the reason why I said, okay, I'll risk with it, because I knew the people and this and that, and, you know, sometimes – um, you know, we, we believe in our, we believe our own hype a little bit too much that so we can do anything. Right. Yeah. So, so that was lesson learned, but, but that was the biggest thing. The second one, truthfully, there's no reason that one should have ever failed. That should be the, one of the thriving chains in this country right now. Um, but I believe that they grew too fast and have the infrastructure. They did have a track record of a model of success of corporate locations. And just like anything, some are going to be higher, some are going to be lower, some are going to be in between. I mean, you have, you have to go in with your eyes open knowing that. Sure, right? sure. Um, but the debt, I believe, was it was a corporate issue mm-hmm. as the chain was maturing. Yeah. So yeah. if they would have been solid, I think that chain would still be there today. So between the three, the one had 10 years, you know, they opened up, you know, 10 years prior to their first franchisee. Mm-hmm. Great. Then they, and they were full disclosure. They showed us which locations were thriving, which ones they had to close in those 10 years, why. And then, and they, they were able to work through all that. And then they dialed in, okay, here's what we feel comfortable with locations. Right. That's what I mean by that track record of success before. You know, then, then if you want to be an early, early adopter of their model, great. But sure. You have to have that. But the last one, you know, there was no track record of success and we were the early adopters based on what we believed the potential was, but it just didn't work. So that, that boom, that failed pretty quickly. The other one, I think, was a mismanaged operation that, sure. that, that should have worked. So do you still believe that if you were to go out on your own, your chances were still far better with a franchise than they would have been if you had gone out on your own just as an entrepreneur? Oh, a thousand percent or infinity percent. I, you know, especially my background, um, I didn't have any, I went into an industry that I had no experience in. I mean, sure. to try to do that from scratch and try, you know, yeah. you would have, I would have ended up probably paying people consulting fees out of, you know, paying people, mm-hmm. you, know, um, you know, architecture fees more. Hey, how does this, plan? I would oh, have been sure. spending a lot more time visiting restaurateurs and no, I mean, I would, I would never. My now, there's people a lot smarter than me and a lot better at stuff than me, so that makes it easy for me. I can't even fathom going out and doing something, especially out of your area of expertise, mm-hmm. without doing it with the franchise. I, I can't even imagine doing it. Well, I, mean, I I'm an advocate. Right. And I appreciate you being so candid with that because I know that there are people thinking, well, see, that's what I, that's what I've heard about a franchise. You can still fail. Of course you can. You can fail at franchising. You can fail at being an entrepreneur. There are a lot of things that go into being a business owner, right? And, and just because a franchise is there and they've been, they've been successful for so many years, not everybody continues to be successful. And there's so many different parts that can fail in the process. A lot of times people fail in the franchise because you just simply, I'm sorry to say it, can't follow directions, right? And, and, and <laughs> I mean, be honest with you, the franchisor is just giving you a roadmap. If you fail, you know, it, it's so funny. We all absolve ourselves of our own inadequacies. And I mean, some people, you're, you join a great 
franchisee, franchisor, great chain, and it didn't work for you, mm, probably not the franchisor. Yeah, yeah, right. Well, I want to go back, Ray, um, quickly and talk about this um, territory thing, because, you know, I love to share personal experiences. It, I have, like, no shame, right? Okay. So, coming out of COVID, um, I have this conversation about minimum royalties. And so this goes on with our conversation when we talk about um, the size matter, right? And so I've gotten my territory to be a pretty significant size. And so I got the phone call that said, hey, by the way, you know, based on your territory size, we now um, are, we have this minimum royalty. And if you're not doing X amount, we are still going to pay X amount in royalties, whether you hit your sales target or not. And I know that's not what you want to hear. And I said, I don't care. I mean, do I want to hear it? No, but I signed a contract. I know that's what it is. And it is what it is. And do I think that we're going to hit that target? Well, I hope so. We're not that far off, but I'm prepared, right? And I said, you know, we're, these are all the things that we're doing. Do you have any significant suggestions? And so the suggestion that came back and I almost went through the roof was, well, perhaps you want to sell a couple of zip codes. And I thought, well, why, really? would, I, why would I want to do that? And then here's the caveat. But you don't want to sell them to an existing owner. You might want to sell them on the open market. And so I, I'm fuming over this. I mean, like, I'm <laughs> Polish angry, right? Like, for days. And today in the shower, I'm scrubbing my hair, and I thought, I think I know what she's saying. I think, and hope for her sake, is that it was, she's talking about looking at the total territory and pulling apart the zip codes within my territory that aren't providing any value to the business. But because they're in a household count, as territories are, you still pay for them. So in all my fees, because like the Windy City Co-op, right? That's our marketing plan. Because I own those household counts, even though they don't generate any revenue, you pay for them. Yeah. And my royalty, even though they don't generate any revenue, I still pay for them. Now. Here comes the question, well, why do I pay for them if they don't generate any revenue? How is it that they, that they charge me for those households? Because they're probably not really $80,000 households, right? <laughs> Based on the list of them. So I, my mind's going crazy today. Oh. So as I knew we were coming into the show, I'm like, you know, talking about size and mattering, you know, when you get into a, a, a business, a franchise that sells based on territory, and, and this is the issue that our, our mentor, our mentee Mario is having right now. And he's doing battle with two different franchises. The Franchise Woman is a bi-monthly digital magazine that empowers women as they navigate the franchising industry by providing relevant news, tools, advice, and inspiration. We are a resource for women who are seeking to own their own businesses, improve their existing businesses, find creative solutions, and take advantage of franchise opportunities. We feature women in the business who best exemplify our ideals and have something to teach our readers. In addition to our exclusive articles relating to the female entrepreneur, we also feature brands that are geared for women. Women have become the fastest growing sector in business ownership and have become a powerful, influenceable force fueling the economy. The Franchise Women will give you the news that is relevant to you 
to help you navigate the path of successful franchise ownership. By women, for women, and about women, we are the Franchise Woman. Join us today at www.thefranchisewoman.com. And that is why at times you're better off not using automated plugins, no matter how good they sound <laughs> about using. Oh, I just thought that was Fred's way of saying you're talking too much. Yeah, like, shut the I'm like, Yeah, no, like I said, as, as we all, you know, as, as from where we started, Ray and I started, back in 2018 dear god um to to where we ha are today with you know three mentors and and all this great information the systems have, have taken quantum leaps mm -hmm. and yet sometimes improvements are not as good as they seem uh, like mm -hmm. i said Ubar. yeah yeah uh, i'm at tarfu i'm at tarfu yeah. Anyway, my point is, when you get into a territory situation, you have to really go beyond just a household count. Because Mario is finding that everything is a bit negotiable. Even though a lawyer may say to you, well, these things aren't typically negotiable. Interesting, a lot, interestingly enough, that typically means sometimes they are. And what he's finding is that the set price of a household is negotiable, as I'm finding maybe the way they set the price of a household isn't quite the same as they do in all areas. So there's a lot of investigating I have to do. And um, as with David, we talked about Quiznos, right? And we, ha we know that we've talked about Subway a little bit too, where we get into a situation where they're cannibalizing each other because they're not protecting distance from one store to another. So there's a lot of things I think when we talk about size um, in, territory in territory fashions, whether it's the size of a territory, the locations of territories or of um, stores and shops that you have to think about. Um, in terms of age, it's really funny because I wasn't talking about the age of you two, though you both went there. <laughs> <laughs> They were also anyway. went there when you said size too. We all know it. It's just, we, we better leave it like that. Well, we told Ray that Daisy could come in and talk about that. We don't yeah. really want to. A little backpedaling there, Kristen. But here, here's the thing with with, mm. with, with the with the size though. Um, you know, there there is one thing we didn't touch on yet, and I, I don't know how much time we're running out of time is going too deep in this, but. Um, as far as the growth, so so as it has changed growing, typically it would be you would think it would be really good because that just brings more awareness to your business to your chain. So so one of the things when we were starting out, we wanted to grow and bring brand awareness because that's really what you're paying that national advertising fee for. That's always been the FDGs, right? Right. That brand awareness, you know, as as quickly as, as possible because it's going to help you rather than having to, every time you open up the door go, oh, what are you, and explaining what you're all about, let mm -hmm. oh, they know. However, 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 again, talking about the Quizzle thing, size um, expansion in, in too quick of a manner yeah. 
can be, can be a death knell. And, and now the reason that popped into my head was because of what you said with the location. So one, if you have a chain that is strictly solely focused on number of units grow, you know, you know, get to density as quickly as possible, put as many units as we can, yada, yada, yada. And then they start incentivizing existing franchisees going, if you open another one, we'll give you a discount on your franchise fee and these types of games. That's when I would say get nervous because there's been, there was more than one occasion where an individual had a successful, profitable location, Mm -hmm. but felt the pressure to open up another one or someone else was going to open it up. Mm -hmm. But what happened? Opens up that second location, doesn't do as well. Now it basically took a little bit of the business away from the one that was doing well. And now you have, instead of one location that was doing extremely well, now you have two that are at break even or below. Yeah. So you kind of stole from the other one. And now the only people making money are the landlord and, and the food vendors and the franchise or collecting their fees. And you're yeah. out there finding a way trying to build two businesses when you had one. So, so a lot of times, that's why I said, I love the idea of a mature chain as it's growing, grown right, your business is going to prosper because of it, but grown too quickly and for the wrong reasons, you can suffer along the way. Yeah, I'm surprised they don't have some kind of a radius around these locations. I get it in urban areas where you can probably handle um, a much tighter radius. There I go, echoing again. Um, they, they do, they do, but real world and what's written in the words on a document are two different things. Yeah, yeah. Well, one of the things that uh, Kristen and I face, and I don't know if you faced this when you bought your additional territory, because that was fairly recently, but when I was dealing with my corporate office, their legacy thinking was that uh, most owners can only handle so much business, and they were reluctant to allow you to expand to a larger size. And I think that has that type of thinking has evolved recently because my argument to them was, so you're going to trust someone who has no experience in yep. in, in yep. this particular business over one who has been successful and yep. is at, you know champing champing at the bit to and I, I think that argument of, you know obviously one they allowed me to because they have to approve all expansions mm-hmm. uh, they allowed me to expand but uh, to to their benefit of course because right. you know making money but yeah. uh, you know and then of course I think I, you got the opposite uh, uh, perspective from some franchisors in that they say oh yeah expand 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 and, and they overdo it. And, yeah. you know, they run into problems because of that. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, really, and, you know, this even goes back to when we talked about um, corporate versus family, right? The, the different types of franchisors, because I think our franchise or has gone through changes since we were service brands now being neighborly, you know, the, the whole model is changing. And I think a lot of people see that as their, as their companies grow and change and evolve. So, you know, is, is, is the franchising world perfect? No, but I will tell you, it's still wildly more successful than going out on your own. And as David said, you know, even if you have a couple failures, it's far easier to be successful in the end than it is to go out on your own and fail because you've got a lot more sunk costs 
just getting open in an entrepreneurial setup than you would in a franchise setup. Not always, but often, you know, I, so. I agree with that. And the best thing you can do is if you're, if, if you're unsure is, I mean, I mean, we're giving valuable information here, right? I mean, you know, uh, if I'd have known a lot of this stuff, then, then maybe I wouldn't have made or been involved in some of those things, but, but that's okay. That's how you learn. And that, that was the experience I had. And, and I was fortunate to be in a position to be able to, to take the lump, so to speak, but do your due, do your due diligence, Under, you know, take what we're talking about and, and don't jump into something, but, but don't run away from it either because there's been failures within the chain. I mean, every, every business has had some, some failures. And I mean, it, it, it but the success rate's much higher, like, like Kristen said, I mean, I, I, I wouldn't even think about I wouldn't even, I would, if I was starting out brand new, I wouldn't even think about doing anything on my own without looking into franchise first. Yeah. Well, now they can, call, now they can be in the mentor program and they get the three of us and more helping them out, making sure they don't, you know, well, at least we can hope that they don't make the same kind of mistakes and learn at least from the mistakes we've all made. So. Absolutely. It's failure. You know, yep. it, it really is. I mean, you know, it's, it's not the fact that, you're going to fail. It's the fact, what are you going to do about it? You know, are you going to pick, pick yourself up and dust yourself off and move forward? Or are you going to sit there and cry? You know, yep. how much will it cost you and how many times are you going to fail along the way? Right. right. But you have to have grit, right, David? Absolutely. <laughs> so I think we have to, um, you see that picture behind you over your shoulder. that looks like um, the rabbit hole. I think that's where we have to go next. Oh, no. ah, I know. Now I oh, feel much no. better. Down the rabbit hole. You know, it's kind of funny that um, the the last topic, and, and before we go down the rabbit hole, I'm going to sound off on it. I was talking to a, a young gentleman. He was working on his um, uh, real estate license, um, and uh, he had been suffered a setback, and he said, but yet in some ways I'm I'm – really happy about because I've learned so much since then that I'm better. And um, to me, a professional is um, not somebody who is somebody who expresses uh, a professional is somebody who accepts that failure is going to happen, doesn't let it stop them, but makes them better. Yes. And I don't know. Ray Kroc said, what was it? Um, grit or stick-to-itiveness was the most important thing to failure. So enough with the wonderful stuff. Let's go down the rabbit hole. So um, I've noticed lately uh, quite a bit, uh, both from that's happened to me as well as uh, people I know, um, what I'll say is misuse of digital presence or the matrix mm. in some ways coming back and haunting them. One business owner had something like five Facebook business pages taken over. Um, and they actually pulled money out of the bank accounts that were catch rad campaigns. And they were now fighting Facebook to try to get stuff back. Another friend of mine got a, a job. Um, a She got a letter from a, I don't think it was one of a mega corporate 
company in the CPG, uh, CPG industry. And um, she was all happy about it. And this actually came in the mail after a period of, of conversations. And it turned out it was a scam where they were attempting to um, send her a check so that she would deposit it as she started. So again, she could get the bank uh, information there. Um, I even saw what looked like a legit email that I went to unsubscribe. And I, if it wasn't for my antivirus, I would have had a, a malware in, injection. And this was just from the un, unsubscribe link. So given all those things we see that people are attempting to take over digital presence, what, and as we go toward uh, artificial intelligence, what tools will your franchisors need to roll out in order to fight off artificial intelligence attacks? Because just think about it. If people are getting that good on their own, stick AI doing this, ain't going to have a chance. So you're going to have to have AI tools back to fight back. So what will they look like? Ray? Well, I think our franchisor uh, kind of insulates us from, from that. So if they get caught in some scam, uh, it, it may hurt us a little bit, but I don't think it's not going to be as bad as if we get caught in some sort of a scam. And I, I kind of live by the rule, if it's too good to be true, it is too good to be true. So I avoid it, but, uh, or at least do some research. Um, and sometimes it's, it's, it's pretty simple. You just look at where is this particular uh, link connected to? Is it, is it, is it a dot .com, dot .gov, or, or, or some weird thing that you never heard of? And obviously, you know, you, you shouldn't be clicking on anything in an email anyway. <laughs> that's, so, that's, that's normal advice, but in the one case, this person was able to take over, and, and this person uh, is a former technology consultant, so they're not dumb. Um, yeah. In the in the case of the unsubscribe, it looked like a legit company. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and in the case of the letter, I mean, think about this. This person went through a couple of interviews and then got wow. the letter sent to them. And it was only that something when they were going to send her a, a pre-deposit check that mm-hmm. she went, hmm. So we're way beyond the normal advice of don't click on links. You don't know if you think you're already connected to the person, make sure you, you know, make sure you are, aren't before you accept Mm -hmm. it, things like that, but we're fine. Okay. So David's looking like that deer in the headlight. (laughs) (laughs) Because because here's the thing with ours, it goes deeper than that. Luckily we have a lot of people looking at, I mean, you know, we have a whole IT department, but, but remember, everything's changed. In the beginning of our existence, everything was pretty much a cash transaction. Now yeah. everything's an electronic transaction. So, and I mean, even the way we pay our bills, like, I mean, there is access to accounts. We have to protect totally. our customers' credit card numbers. Mm-hmm. There is so much exposure there, and there's firewalls upon firewalls upon firewalls. We have the, the credit card companies making sure that they're doing what they can to protect we're doing what we can to lock down our accounts. Corporate's doing what they can. In my mind, 
right now I feel it's a fight that I never feel comfortable with that we're winning because mm-hmm. people are always going to be ahead of us. And all we can do is keep trying to stay ahead some way, somehow, but there's always, there's always somebody going to get burned. I, we had a franchise, franchisee. Oh my gosh. I don't know how many years ago. Um, but you know, they hacked in and stole a bunch of guys, customer credit cards, card numbers, turn that into sell, making their own little credit card, selling those on the street. See, it cost him a couple hundred thousand dollars in fines and this and that. And well, right away, everybody went firewalls and this and that. And, um, you know, we run, you know, different logistics tests, but I, I think it's a multi-pronged approach. And I, I think it's here to stay. I mean, especially if currency ends up going to cryptocurrency. I mean, this is, this is an endless uh, thing. Don't, don't, don't even go to the cryptocurrency. <laughs> oh my God. So that long topic and to me, anything I you know, can't use when, when the power's out isn't worth it. So right. to the lady with the bunnies, <laughs> who's led the discussion on size and age. And man, <laughs> I had to mute myself because you've been crack. You guys have all been cracking me up as, as I keep running the du- double entendres. And um, this episode well, would make say, a great drink drinking episode. <laughs> <laughs> we, we can do that. Uh, let me first say that um, for cryptocurrency, I am getting just like spammed by cryptocurrency people on LinkedIn, freaking me out because I'm like, okay, what for these people? And I go back and there's no other ties. There's no other links. And I'm like, no, sorry. No, sorry. I'm like, I don't know anybody who does anything in crypto, anything. I had to ask you the other day about what is cryptocurrency? And what did I ask you about um, that, uh, that thing my kid's on? What's that app my kids on? The Twitch? What are Twitch? Oh, yeah. Twitch, uh, no, yeah, Twitch has its... its Twitch um, coins or something, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I don't know what any of this stuff is. I like feel super old all of a sudden. And then today, so today I was in the bank. This is more on what we're talking about. And there was this couple ahead of me. And my normal bank lady was like, I'm really sorry, but this happens at least once a day. And they were explaining to this young couple that somebody had probably stolen a piece of mail and attempted to open a bank account in their name. Mm. But luckily, they didn't have all the information. So while they were able to open a bank account and attempted taking out a credit card, they didn't have the right email address. And they were, they had, um, I think they were missing like a digit on the social security number. So they allowed them to open the bank account. They put a hold on the credit card. And the account was like in this like hyper hold mode or something. And within five days, if they didn't get the completed proper information, it would delete as a fraudulent account. But they said every day people are trying to open these fraudulent accounts. And so when you ask this question, I'm like, oh my gosh, it's like all around me today. And for me, from the question, the way I understood it, I would like my franchisor to have something they don't store my customer's data. That's all stored um, third party via our credit card companies, right? They, we had a compliance situation where we are not allowed to hold them. So if somebody broke in my office, you couldn't get any of that information. That's all stored third party. So I'm not worried about that for my clients. But what I am worried about on the franchisor side is somebody breaking in to get all of my bank routing information. Because if they get onto my franchisor site, They've got all my, 
all my data. And that could be quite harmful, right? So then all the checks, all the payments that I take and make, taxes, everything, they've got access to all that. So I would like to see an AI bot be there to say that there should be no other access from anything pulling out of those data tables. Nobody should be doing any queries on those data tables at the franchisors to look at, pull from any of the bank accounts from any of their franchisees. That's strictly for royalties. There's like three payments, right? There's our marketing fund, there's our royalties. And I think they pull for, for me, they pull for my donations for my um, domestic violence awareness fund for Ms. Molly. That's it. There should be nothing else. Ooh, interesting topic down the rabbit hole it is, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, one of the things, I, I'm not very anal about very many things, but I am anal about my uh, bank's bank <laughs> And I get into them every single day, not so much to see how much money or how little money I have, but to make sure that I don't have any checks that were cashed that I'm not aware of or any deposit, even deposits, because if they're like, like you just said, David, I think a oh, it was Fred said that there was a deposit and what they were looking for was information coming back after the deposit. So if I don't know about every single thing that's going in and out of those checking accounts, then, yeah. you know, Okay, so I'm anal about it. No, <laughs> and everybody should be anal about the banking. Um, yep. What scares me even more, though, is that it's the m misappropriation of that digital presence, your digital reputation there. Because in, in mm -hmm. one case, taking five Facebook page, business pages for oh, five yeah. different businesses, they can be putting all kinds of malware out to your clients that way they listen can, they can do they can destroy you on google they can destroy i mean there are so many digital ways that things can happen i had joe blow leave me a review okay now i don't have a joe blow <laughs> and i said dear mr blow <laughs> we haven't helped you or your uncle phil mccracken i'm really sorry maybe you you use another Molly made like what am I supposed to do with that but it goes into your total you know review rating under Google how do you combat those things you know you're really and that's all just digital stuff right somebody's yeah. out there messing yeah. around especially with Yelp you have no recourse none so and what I see is as the technology industry goes more and more toward AI AI this, AI that. You can't, you can't spend more than four hours on LinkedIn without somebody wanting to tell you about AI and how it's going to revolutionize your lead gen. Um, but I keep looking at as the scammers and spammers get it. How's somebody going to know? You know, how's the franchisee who's working on giving food, cleaning house? washing cars, whatever, how are they going to know how to deal with all this stuff? Mm, yeah. Yep. Absolutely. So we'll do a whole episode on this eventually. Until then. Yeah. 
We this need is, some good IT people out there who help franchises, some franchise yep. or franchisee IT. So or marketing, yeah. They got to be out there, right? Yeah. Some of us catch it. We'll be back next week, folks, with another interesting show. Thanks. Billers. Billers. Billers.